Welcome to Featured Insights, presented by Caroline Economic Development. I'm your host, Debbie Bowden. This podcast is for all size businesses in Caroline County and the Eastern Shore of Maryland to learn from experts at the local, state, and national level. We hope that you gain insights that can help your business run more effectively. So today, I am honored to be speaking with Dr. Cliff Coppersmith. He is the president of Chesapeake College. Um, We're going to talk about what this means to Caroline County, to the region. And since this is a podcast that really is for businesses and workers, we're going to talk about what you do to bring those services, education, training, et cetera, to the ecosystem for economic development in the region that you serve, which is a five-county region. Um, And just share a little bit about what the college is doing. There are exciting things on the horizon. There's exciting things that are happening right now. Um, So we'll just have a a conversation so you can share with the listeners what's going on. But I'll ask you to introduce yourself and if you'll just give a little bit of background. We were talking before we started recording. Um, You've been here for a while now, um, but you've got quite a pedigree and bona fides for coming into a rural county, a rural area and bringing that, that next level of education. Sure. Well, first of all, my, my name is Cliff. Um, I'm the president of Chesapeake College and just entered my sixth year. Uh, it's hard to believe um, I've been there here that long. But then when you th- think about all the things we've managed and dealt with, all of us together right. over the past several years, um, it uh, it makes sense. I grew up in western New York um, after my uh, parents had spent some time moving around. So, you know, both elementary and high school, went to a small rural high school in uh, mm. Cattaraugus County. Cataraugus, Allegheny County is in, um, it's, it's the southwestern frontier of New York and considered the northern boundaries of Appalachia. So, okay. Um, it, it, it's, uh, you know, Caroline County is very much home for me. I grew up sure. in a rural district. Uh, my grandfather was a retired military, uh, bought a farm mostly to raise grandkids on. And, <laughs> um, you know, I grew up with the local dairy farmers uh, growing their hay on his, uh, his land. And I baled hay. I worked on my granddad's farm. And, uh, you know, I really have very strong rural connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, my extended family are still farmers in Indiana, gotcha. uh, soybeans and corn. In fact, you know, sometimes when I'm driving across Caroline County, which I love to do, it looks very much like uh, the sure. home country for me, which is, uh, you know, out in the Midwest. So, uh, you know, very strong affinities for small town America. You know, my wife and I began, our, my first career was uh, in federal service. Okay. We lived in uh, suburban Washington, D.C. for a couple of years and that was enough for us. Yeah. And so I went back to school, got a master's degree, eventually a PhD, which I got in Oklahoma, which is another kind of agricultural place. Yeah. And I have spent nearly my entire career in small town America uh, doing what I do, which is community college and related technical education. I did 11 years at Penn College, which is a Penn State special mission campus, which does a lot of workforce oh, okay. uh, programming, including almost half of the degrees awarded at Penn College are two-year associate degrees in the technical areas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my last uh, appointment before I came to to Chesapeake was out in Billings, Montana. Again, very rural, right. very agricultural region in uh, eastern Montana. And there I was basically over the same kind of portfolio of programs that we have at Chesapeake, including the health profession skill trades. Gotcha. So I really have uh, really spent my most of my adult life in education, both in general education, which is transfer, you know, English and social sure. sciences and mm-hmm. liberal sciences and arts and sciences and humanities, 
but the other half has also been either supporting or directly involved with workforce development, whether it's associate degrees, certificates, or, you know, shorter term kind of training like CDL truck driving. Right, right. And, and we'll probably use that as a good example because that's, you know, I think that that's a demonstration of when we're talking about workforce development, workforce training, people who decide that they want to be behind a wheel for a living probably already know how to drive. They already have that skill or that aptitude. Workforce development is in the form of CDL training is taking it to that next level because there are regulations that they have to comply with on the state and federal level. There's operational considerations that they have to, you know, they're going maybe from a a pickup truck or a larger car to a large vehicle. There's safety considerations for themselves and how they operate. So when we're talking about workforce training, that's really what we're talking about. Somebody who has a desire, an aptitude, an already level skill of doing something and going to Chesapeake College to take it to that next level. I do want to throw in here, though, as you were talking, I thought, you know, the academic track, what we sometimes refer to, that is also workforce training. Oh, absolutely. You went through workforce training when you decided that you wanted to get a a higher level degree for education and move that on up. So I think all of this, and, and that's what Chesapeake College does very well, is meld those two Um, disciplines, if you will, more of an academic side that goes mostly into professional services, Mm -hmm. and then the skill trades and the workforce development training too. Um, And I think what I hear a lot in Caroline County um, is, well, we can do that training ourselves. But what uh, businesses, I think, can learn from you today is that cost of bringing someone on as an employee and putting them through that training and then paying for the training, you can kind of relieve some of that pressure. So talk about how you partner with businesses on that skill trades, that workforce training element of Chesapeake College. Well, it's a broad spectrum. You know, for example, we are very close partners with Shore Health, um, you know, in providing our health professions. It's everything from the non-credit CNA certified nursing assistant uh, Mm -hmm. program all the way to our registered uh, associate degree nursing program. And, uh, you know, there's a very strong partnership. They actually help us, you know, with the costs every year of, of those very expensive programs. Uh, community colleges in general have gone through kind of a, um, a kind of a broad movement where there was so much emphasis in the last 20 or 30 years of, of preparing students for college and pursuing basically a traditional liberal arts degree sure. to now the recognition of the crisis that we have in terms of the skilled mm-hmm. trades in particular, um, in which we need skilled technicians that are at the foundation of everything we do every day in right. our society, you know, whether it's construction, whether it's uh, repairing our automobiles, uh, whether it's uh, servicing all the technical things we have in our homes and our businesses, um, The need is there, and I think it's a national trend of recognizing both the value and the place of community colleges Mm. to return to that technical education piece, which some community colleges, quite frankly, got away from, and there's good reasons why they did. Sure. Um, You know, one of the things we've discovered, and we're getting a lot of assistance from our counties as well as the federal government, it's expensive to develop curriculum, to uh, build the laboratories, to find the faculty to teach in these areas. And one of the things we've done in just the last couple of years, for the first time we have a, you know, we have just hired five full-time faculty 
that deal specifically with the skilled trades because we need those that kind of expertise sure. and the access that students need for advising you know, for the mentoring right. that goes on. Yes. Uh, because, uh, you know, a faculty member not just doesn't bring the technical skill from their profession, but the, uh, you know, the, kind of the overall comprehensive knowledge of, you know, how do you apply it? Uh, the most important thing for us is that entrepreneurship piece, mm-hmm. uh, because I think one of the strongest attractions uh, for the skilled trades is self-employment. Right. And we're seeing right. both students get into that uh, business on their own. You know, and of course, we provide the small business uh, administration provides, you know, the, the support and uh in education and training, they need to figure out how to finance that. Yes. But we also, because of the transition from the baby boom generation, there's an enormous transfer of, of these uh, small businesses from one generation to the next. Right. And that's also our role is helping that next generation, including our farming population, right. make that adjustment to the business and you know other technical aspects of agriculture, whether you're running a farm or you're you're working for Nagel Enterprises or of something of that nature, exactly. which is where a lot of these jobs are. Um, so that and so there's a continuum. You know, there's the degrees, um, and and I I really appreciate your comments about the professional training because even though people think about transfer as liberal arts, what we're we talking about, we're talking about teachers, right, business managers, exactly, uh, attorneys, doctors. Uh, nurses, because most of our nurses, once they finish their associate degree, they go to work in the local health uh, professions, and there's a high value, if not a requirement, to get a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. um, shortly after they begin their their careers there. So when you talk about transfer, that's also very much related to our economy, because you all know how important public education is. Right. And our K-12 through systems in all of our counties are really in dire need of qualified applicants. Exactly. So that that goes to our partnership with Salisbury University, where we have the access to a bachelor's degree in education that you can do right on our campus. And if you want to, you can obviously transfer to the big experience down in Salisbury right. or elsewhere, because obviously our partnerships extend not just to the regional four-year system, but to the state level, even including the University of Maryland. And I want to go back to, and, and we've had um, uh, Dr. Derek Simmons, who the superintendent of our public school system on here, and we've talked about this with him, but it applies to Chesapeake also. You are also running a business. Yes. And I think that people think of education as sometimes this, like, as esoteric kind of you just it just happens it's it's like roads roads just get laid down no it, it you're running a business you have facilities that you have to build and maintain you have staff uh that you have to have they have to have proper credentials mm-hmm. he spoke on that and training and understanding of what they're doing fit into the mission um and you you've got to bring in your customers which are your students and then by extension the cus- the further out customer is the business or somebody starting their own business but you don't have that you don't have that revenue like a business has. So you're looking at funding sources from all different kinds of things. It is tuition only does not pay for the college. Can you talk a little bit about just in a very high 50,000 foot level, where does the funding come from to operate Chesapeake College? Well, we're a classic community college and we're funded by three primary sources. The first, of course, is our supporting counties. 
Caroline County was one of the first, you know, one of the initial founding counties of the college. Dorchester County joined us a few a few years later. So we have five supporting counties, including Kent, Caroline, Talbot, Queen Anne's County, uh, and Dorchester County. Mm-hmm. And uh, those counties are roughly about a third of our funding comes directly from the counties every year through their own appropriations. Um, the other third is from the state. Okay. Which is our appropriation, and that's based on our full-time enrollment, just as the counties are. And then finally, uh, tuition, uh, student tuition and fees. Gotcha. And so those are kind of the three legs of the stool, uh, mm-hmm. funding-wise. And in the last couple of years, partially because of the pandemic, but also because of state policy, we've seen a greater percentage taken on by the state. Okay. So that's, that's a relatively new development when our counties and the students bore the primary costs of their educations. The state has now stepped up and improved its level of funding through what's called the Cade formula, which is a legislative, legislated uh, percentage uh, applied to all the community colleges in the state of Maryland as a percentage of the funding for the University of Maryland system. Gotcha. And gotcha. that's at 29%, which was first fully funded, I think, two years ago. It's been legislated for decades, but we finally got to that that percentage in the last couple of years, which we're very happy with. Sure. Which, and I think that's probably the state hearing in the last five or six years, there needs to be more of this technical support, the technical skilled trade education. Is, is, do you think that was the catalyst? Well, I think the Hogan administration was very strong and supportive of our um, community college system, but also our legislators, both gotcha. our senators and our delegates have been very strong advocates for community colleges, not just in our region, but across the state. You know, it's a national trend. Community colleges have always been there, but I think the appreciation and understanding of what they can do and their part in solving many of our social challenges has, has really risen to the fore. And I, I don't think uh, there's not been a better time to be in the community college business than now, and particularly in the state of Maryland. There's other one other smaller piece of um, our funding is both private donors through our foundation. Okay. And we have about a roughly about an eight and a half, nine million dollar endowment that's been accumulated over years with a really strong pretty much you know what I'd call lower level support we don't have what I call uh, huge corporate sure. donors yeah you know our our donors you know it's in everywhere from you know a few hundred dollars a year to tens of thousands of dollars a year we have a very strong support from our private sector mm-hmm. and the foundation of course is a 5013c it's a non nonprofit arm of the college it's a separate entity with its own board so that's uh, we roughly, I think, awarded uh, over five hundred thousand dollars in scholarships last year, which oh, is wow. a very important source yeah. of funding for our students. And in fact, if there's a message I could get out there today, please apply for scholarships because it's a continuing challenge of getting students to take advantage of those resources. And then another very important but smaller source of funding is through grants. Okay. And we've done a really good job just in the last several years, uh, whether it's our federal earmarks from Senator Cardin and Senator Van Hollen, $1.2 million, again, for skilled trades. Uh, the counties helped us with rural economic development grants, which sure. you were a part of that uh, that story in the last year, which has been a significant infusion of funding for the skilled trades. And then just here and there, we apply for grants. We upward bound which is a program we, we we finally returned to the college after years of a hiatus. And we have three counties participating in that Upward Bound program, which provided the support for 108 students to come to campus oh, wow. this past summer for a five-day-a-week summer program that prepares high school students for college-level work. Oh, wow. And uh, we're really excited to have that program, which is uh, you know directly supporting students in Kent, uh, Talbot, and Caroline. 
Awesome. So let's talk about what the student looks like. You know, I think one of the things that we hear in economic development and workforce development in the public school system is access. And that access is either uh, key is transportation or language or financial. So you mentioned that the foundation was able to provide a, a great deal of money for scholarships. What do you see as some of the challenges for accessibility to the college programs from just the average resident in the counties that you serve? Well, that's a great question. You start out with what is a Chesapeake College student, and it's extremely diverse. But increasingly, the students are younger. Uh, back in the early 2000s, we had a significant adult population, which has now uh, really lowered in terms of percentage. And primarily, it's because I think the the job market has been very healthy since gotcha. the, the Great Recession. You know, even uh, in some of our uh, less economically well-off regions of the region, unemployment's like 3% right sure. now, which is right. just uh, really exceptional. So you, you, when you say adult, you mean folks who are probably working and then want to skill up or skill laterally to something right. different. Right. We're okay. not talking about, you know, folks graduating from high school and coming to college. Okay. So it's basically 21, 22 years and older. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, we do have that population on campus, but they're less of a percentage than they used to be. And we think that one of the reasons we, we need to really gravitate towards the skilled trades and the shorter term credentials uh, is because that population, if it's interested in going to school, wants to do it on a short-term basis. Right. They don't want to accumulate debt, and they want to get back to work as soon as possible, whether it's upgrading their current credentials or perhaps transferring to a new profession. Yeah. Um, so right now, and, and, and this is a big part of the future, uh, obviously everybody's heard about Blueprint, which is providing support for high school students to go to college for dual enrollment. 30% of our enrollment this semester our high school students. Wow. And uh, that's uh, high school students taking college classes in their schools uh, through remote learning mm-hmm. and also on our campus. Oh, wow. And that's a huge game changer. And we yeah. do anticipate that number will either maintain or grow because Blueprint is providing the funding for those students through their local high schools. It's actually paying the cost of their tuition, their fees, and their books. Gotcha. And that's the first time we've ever had that. Um, dual enrollment was discounted before mm-hmm. so that students and their parents were paying 75% of the cost of going to school. But now the our sending high schools are taking care of those costs. Gotcha. So that, gotcha. that definitely has begun to register. I think parents have always recognized the value of dual enrollment. But now, of course, there's even more value because their high schools are covering those costs. Sure, sure. And so, uh, so you know, one of the access issues or the, um, uh, that we didn't mention was time. So you touched on that, right? So somebody who has their they need a new job or they're seeing that they need a new job, being able to look at something and gain more education and training in a time frame that's less than a year, less than sure. two years, which I think had been the case back in the day, that's very helpful. So kind of shifting to that market need. So again, looking at Chesapeake College as a business, you've got these additional funding sources through Blueprint, which you mentioned, which is the the state educational um, uh, system that is providing for more workforce training, more CTE, uh, mm-hmm. career and technology education. Uh, you talked about the shifting in the, the your demographic now. You've got much younger folks. Um, what about then... Uh, tuition for like a traditional graduates high school, maybe has a gap year and comes in. Um, and then on the other side, the, the non-English speaking language and or transportation, 
So those are some of the challenges I think that we hear from the workforce that um, I know that you're doing some work. Uh, with. Uh, I'll come back to transportation in a second, but I do okay. want to talk about uh, one of the really great things about Chesapeake College and uh, the state system in particular in Maryland, the way it works, is we provide GED uh, equivalency and also English as second language. Okay. And those are offered you know, off campus at satellite sites in our local uh. libraries and elsewhere, but also remotely. And um, there's a lot of support for those students. Um, and I, w I wanted to get to the access piece too, that remote learning, uh, as much as some of us are really kind of not excited about remote learning because we really want to have students on campus, that does resolve to some extent the transportation problem. I gotcha, okay. But we also have technology access issues, which we know about. We know that bandwidth and, and access to a good signal. I mean, I know even in my neighborhood, Right. I find cars, you know, just down the road, stopped on the side of the road at the, I'm, I'm, I'm live close to 4-H Park. And there's this like dark, there's this black hole where you can't get cell service and you see cars pulled over on the side of the road. So I, I understand those access issues, which we, of course we encountered big time during the pandemic when sure. we went completely remote. So we're trying to figure out the solutions to those problems. Um, we certainly want to encourage people to realize that we are still in Wine Mills and in Cambridge at the Cambridge Center. And the best value that we offer is that on-campus experience. Sure. There's the living people you can talk to, whether it's financial aid, whether it's uh, the advising piece to figure out what program you want to go into, whether it's non-credit or for-credit, whether it's short-term or, or long-term, whether it's an academic degree or a short-term credentials we've been speaking to a great extent about. There are lots of financial resources. And I would just say to anybody right now, now, that financial uh, limitation should not be a barrier. Gotcha. Um, now, we are getting into that. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, the federal government provided a lot of funding for workforce development through the Workforce Investment Board. Mm -hmm. And uh, the WIB, under Dan Schneckenberger, has been very effective in getting those funds out. And they've actually expended almost all of them at this yes. point. Yeah. So we are going back to kind of the pre-pandemic situation where there's less funding for workforce, but there still remains... You know, robust funding from the, both the federal and state government through uh, what's called WIOA. Um, and there's various categories of folks that can ca qualify for those funds. For academic uh, pursuits, there's still Pell. Okay. And, uh, and again, that requires uh, students and or their parents to fill out a FAFSA sheet. Right. Which is the right. form that's been simplified. But we do see, um, concerningly, a lot of um, lack of understanding of the importance of the FAFSA. That sure. FAFSA yeah. is critical um, gateway to, uh, to funding, whether it's Pell Grants or scholarships, you got to fill out the FAFSA form. And since the pandemic, we've seen fewer, you know, we're probably at our lowest, lowest percentage of Pell Grant support than I've seen in a long time uh, at the college. And it's really that, that um, I guess, lack, lack of understanding of the importance of filling out the FAFSA, which is a federal form you got to fill out. You got to document your income level. Sure. And that determines your eligibility for federal funding through Pell, which will provide a good portion of the cost to going to school. Yeah. Now, there's some things that are not covered. I and mean, we know transportation costs are one of right. those things, cost of living, um, uh, health care, child care. You know, we know those are challenges, but there are other programs available, you know, for students that really have need. We have, you know, various resources. We provide gas cards, for example, for them to pay for their own gas oh, wow. to come to school. Uh, we have the food bank. We just uh, entered a new partnership with the Maryland Food Bank, which we have lots of food resources on campus, uh, both short-term and longer-term. Yeah. 
And so we've tried to address all the barriers that, uh, that exist. And transportation does remain, remain a challenge, but we do have a local uh, transportation system. As it may not be as flexible and as, as student-centered as we'd like it to be, but you know, up until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there's pretty good resources to get to campus from our local region. And also I want to point out we have the Cambridge Center. So there sure. is access yep. to all the services we have available at Y Mills are available in, in Cambridge. And Cambridge serves you know those neighboring areas of Caroline as well as southern Talbot County. Uh, it's not just about Dorchester there. It's right. a regional, a regional asset. So we're trying to do everything we can to improve access, but we do understand that there are challenges. But the the most important thing someone can do is give us a call or email us yes. or come to campus and get those services that are available on campus to get started. Don't we- let, if you're listening and as a business owner and you have workers that you think need training or they have children that are getting ready to go to that next level of education. Don't let anything that you think may stand in your way be in your way. Reach out to the college. You've got a robust website that provides a lot of information and including some career track information. It, it is, it is not just a typical higher education resource. Chesapeake college is really a gem in the upper and mid shore for a lot of people to be able to get more education, better their, their own standing, whatever, however they define that. Um, and just really be able to contribute to the area and to the region. Dr. Coppersmith, I appreciate you coming in so much and sharing your insights. Um, we'll have to do this again sometime. I'm sure there's a lot more to talk about. There sure is. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Featured Insights and look for us on your favorite podcast platform.